Hello everyone and welcome to the Banter Roundtable podcast. This is your host, Ben Cohen. And I'm Bob Seska. And I'm Justin Rosario. The Banter Roundtable podcast is brought to you by the Banter Newsletter. We rely on our generous subscribers to keep going, so please support us by signing up for a Banter membership today. You can get a 50% discount when you join the community and you'll get access to all our premium articles and locked archive. You will also be supporting independent, responsible media at a crucial time when our democracy is in peril. Your support is greatly appreciated. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 91 of the Banter Roundtable podcast. Uh, I'm here with Justin. Justin, how are you today? I'm doing fantastic. So we have a big show for you today. Uh, I mean, it's a very Trumpy episode, let's put it that way. <laughs> so on the show today, you know, Trump's very, 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 very bad week, part 5,000. Um, rather, Molly Michael, low-level aide, has handed over evidence that Trump violated the Espionage Act. Jeffrey Clark is trying to throw Trump under the bus. Former Trump lawyer Lynn Wood is now a witness for the state of Georgia as a fourth of state Republican electors. Uh, Trump's speech. This was uh, this was quite a treat. We'll be listening to an excerpt of Trump's speech. And uh, apparently Joe Biden is the one with the co- cognitive uh, dysfunction and incapable of doing the job. It may change your mind when you hear this one. World War II. Yeah. We're about to go into World War II. <laughs> the government shutdown is about a week away. We're going to dig into that. What does that mean for the country? What does that mean politically for the Democrats and Republicans? Biden brings home five American hostages and Republicans in the press are, unsurprisingly, extremely upset about it. And we're going to be trialing a new segment called Grifter of the Week. Uh, This is in place of Fascist of the Week, a temporary, you know, we might alternate. We'll see how it goes. And then we have our ray of sunshine with some excellent news that bodes very well for 2024. And in the emergency meeting, we're going to be talking about Russell Brand, predators, and the power of charisma. Least least surprising accusation of all time, honestly. Uh, yes, yes, but we're going to be digging into that. That's going to be an, an interesting one. So, anyway, let's get to Trump's very, very, very bad week. This was Justin. You've been ex- you've been gleeful about this. You've been absolutely over the moon. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay. So, give me uh, the we- breakdown. All right, we we've I'm got. I'm just getting the popcorn ready while you give me the breakdown, Justin. All right, we'll we'll, we'll get through the not not as fun one first. The first the, the first one was um Jeffrey Clark. Um Jeffrey Clark uh is is the 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 lovely gentleman who Trump was planning on making Attorney General. Um when the uh Attorney General I think it was still Bill Barr at the time uh refused to have the Department of Justice um, start sending out letters to different states, specifically Georgia. But um, the Department of Justice refused to say that the they, they had found irregularities in the election, right? Because Trump needed that in order to put the rest of his plan into action. And when the Department of Justice said, yeah, no, um, he was going to replace, he was going to put Jeffrey Clark um, as Attorney General so he would do it, um, and then all the entire, almost the entire leadership of the Department of Justice said, "You do that, we all quit. We will all resign on the spot." Now, and of course, the whole point of doing that in the first place was to make it look like a legitimate, um, 
that Department of Justice had legitimately found something. And if all of a sudden the entire Department of Justice resigns, it doesn't look legitimate anymore. And everyone's going to know you're lying through your teeth, right? So that part of the whole scam was it had to all look legitimate. That's, that's who we're talking about here, Jeffrey Clark. Now, Jeffrey Clark is in a lot of trouble because he was part of all of this. And the letter particularly is what got him in trouble because, you know, that's illegal what he tried to do. And what he's trying to do is claim that Trump made him write the letter. Unfortunately, it does not appear at the moment that Jeffrey Clark has anything to black uh, to back up that claim. Um, and unless he could produce something to do, you know, more than, you know, well, it's all Trump's fault. That's not going to cut it. Personally, I really hope he can produce something, an email, a text message, a, a handwritten letter, anything. Because if he ties I mean, Trump, I mean, it's tar- I mean, it's clearly most likely that Trump did do this. Oh, absolutely. Right? Most certain, right? But he's probably did it in the mob style, you know, just said it, you know, it's like, oh boy, I hope someone takes care of this for me. And Jeffrey Clark was like, I'll do it. Right. He's a he's a putz. Um, the, so- the problem with Trump witnesses that they're Trump witnesses, right? They these people are they they sold their souls for Donald Trump. And to sell yourself with Donald Trump, you're probably not a particularly bright and trustworthy person. Exactly. But that doesn't mean they don't necessarily have evidence to back it up. But Jeffrey Clark so far has not produced anything. So fingers crossed. Um, But Molly Michael, on the other hand, who's a low-level aide, is like one of his secretaries, she does have evidence. Now, and this is delightful. Um, Trump apparently used to take classified documents from his briefings and write handwritten notes on the back of them and hand them to Molly Michael because to-do lists and gave them to her and she (laughs) kept them. Um, And this is, this is direct physical evidence that Trump violated the espionage act. Now people are going to say, well, you know, it's not like he was selling it to foreign countries or he's selling it for money. It doesn't matter what he was doing with them. He could have walked out onto the street and gave it to a five-year-old to make a paper airplane out of. Still it's, still, it's still violating the Espionage Act, and it's still illegal. So he's in trouble for that because there's actual physical evidence. So good luck there. Um, also, she is t- uh, testifying that um, he, he said to her directly when the FBI started sniffing around for the boxes – that he said to her, I, I don't know if it's a direct quote, I, I don't have it in front of me, is, uh, oh, I'm sorry, yes, uh, you don't know anything about the boxes. Well, okay, there's your obstruction of justice. And here's the important bit about Molly Michael. She is not in trouble for anything, right? She, it's not like she's doing this to get out of anything, to get out of any charges. She's never been in trouble. She's never been charged with anything. They weren't, like, you know, pressuring her. She, when they started sniffing around, she went to the FBI and said, hey, you missed some stuff. Here's other classified documents because they were sitting in my office and you never found them. Here it is. I would like to cooperate. And she's like one of those witnesses that they can't say, well, she's doing it to save her own ass. No, she's not. She's doing it because it's the right thing to do. So they're going to have a bad time with her on the witness stand. Um, so this is very, very, very not good. Oh, but... God, it's terrible. Terrible. 
Um, and of course, there's the third super bad thing, Lynn Wood. Lynn Wood was one of Trump's many, many lawyers who um, pushed a ton of different lawsuits trying to overturn the election all over the place. And people kept asking where Lynn Wood was. I, mean, I, I kind of remember seeing this. I was like, yeah, I haven't heard anything from Lynn Wood in a while. Um, Lynn Wood kind of disappeared because Lynn Wood is a witness for the state of Georgia, along with four of the um, Trump fake electors. Mm. And Lynn Wood in particular is a really bad witness to have if you're Trump and the other uh, conspirators, because Lynn Wood was involved in an awful lot of this. And Lynn Wood, being a lawyer, probably kept notes, um, as lawyers have a tendency to do. So... Yes. That's super bad. Yes. This has not, not been a good week for Trump. Not been a good week for Trump at all. But I mean, uh -huh. what is a good week for Trump? I mean, I guess the polls would indicate again, but I don't want to get into the polls, right? Because we, we I get, the media loves talking about this. About yeah, They don't mean anything this far out anyway. Right. So. It's, it's totally meaningless. And we also saw last election that the polls were, at least in the midterms, were pretty not very accurate. Pretty nope. wrong. We're going to be getting to that later. We are in our ray of sunshine, um, which is, uh, you know, I think what we were talking about before the, we, we were fairly vocal about the polls were not reflecting what was actually happening on the ground when there were elections, about the, the, the absolute catastrophe that Republicans were facing around the country. So, well, not for I, nothing. I mean, Nate Silver even openly admitted that Republicans were flooding. Um, the poll averages with junk polls. And he was saying, well, you know, Republicans are paying for it, so they get to do that. And I was like, but then you know they're garbage, and why are you even counting on it then? Right. Oh, well, he said right. that was his entire reaction. was like, whatever, who cares? It's like, yeah. okay, bye, Nate yeah. Silver. <laughs> so, right, right, right. <laughs> but I, again, this is not looking good, from at least from a legal perspective for Trump. This looks very, 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 very not good. For the uh, for the 2024 presidential, yeah. if I was his lawyer, I would be drinking a lot. Yeah, so I mean, speaking of the candidate himself, not the um, not the criminal uh, defendant, we're talking about the candidate himself. I, it, this is a little excerpt from a speech he did. I want everybody to listen to this. Here we go. We have a man who is totally corrupt and the worst president in the history of our country, who is cognitively impaired in no condition to leave and is now in charge of dealing with Russia. Russia. Possible nuclear war. We would be in World War II very quickly. We're going to be relying on this. We have a man who is... <laughs> what is he talking about? World War II. What is yeah. he talking about? Yeah, he, he doesn't know what... <laughs> Uh, I mean, World War II was only eighty years ago. So I mean, it's a it's a it's a slip up, you know. It's a minor slip up. This is for all the talk about Biden's cognitive decline. I mean, look, the guy is old. We're not going to lie. Joe Biden is old. Fair enough. Like I get it. But Trump is what is he? Seventy eight? Uh, seventy seven or seventy eight? He's he's right up there. <laughs> he's only and three years younger what? than Biden, and he's in right. significantly worse shape than Biden. Yes, and cognitively, I mean, he's never been all there anyway. 
I mean, this is the guy who made up his own countries. What was that one? Um, the, the country that he made up? Oh, there was an Af- Jesus, I don't remember that one. I forget, I forget. He made up an African country because, <laughs> right? <laughs> this is this is your uh, your genius, right? Your board certified genius. Right. Now, um, in, now, in this same speech, he went on to say that, you know, he, he won an election against Obama. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. Exactly. That was, yeah, that's in another clip. He said he won an election against Obama. Um, forgot, yeah, forgot who his candidate was, who he was running against. Doesn't know which war. I mean, yeah. Okay. If this is your guy. So I think the Republican, a lot of it is like projection, right, on, onto Biden. They, I think secretly a lot of Republicans are slightly worried about Trump, that he's all over the place, right? That the guy's clearly not cognitively there. Um, I mean, if you watch his interviews with like Tucker Carlson and stuff, like Tucker Carlson is there to sort of, he does these shows where where the host will kind of guide him through the questions. And you know, you know they I mean? edit the shit out of those afterwards. Oh yeah, and Tucker Carlson is notorious for this. Tucker Carlson is is an unbelievably dishonest reporter. Remember that one, that whole thing he did with Kanye West. He did this huge interview with Kanye West, and the whole purpose of this was to show that Kanye West wasn't insane um, or racist. But they cut all the bits out where it was clearly him being insane and like making lots of anti-Semitic comments. So when Trump does a highly edited interview with Tucker Carlson. You can be sure that they edited out the worst of it, right? The thing that drives me nuts about Trump is when he goes out and he does his little press conferences and he does his um, rallies. When the press covers that, they don't cover what he's saying; they cover what they think he wants to say, or what they, you know. They try to they clean it up, and they did this all through the 2016. They did it all throughout his presidency. They clean up his speeches yeah. because if they just print what he says, it's, he it's sounds crazy. crazy. Right. But they don't want to do that. Right. Because it's biased. I'm like, if you're literally if you're literally printing what he's saying verbatim and it sounds insane. Well, that's not biased. He sounds insane. Right. Don't do that. Don't clean it up. Don't make it presentable. That's not your job to do. You're not the Trump whisperer, but they don't want to do that because it's biased. They don't want to seem biased, blah, 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 blah. And that doesn't that does an extreme disservice that normalizes his his complete gibberish insanity. And how do you how are you serving the country? You're not informing the country. You're lying to them. But also, I was going to ask about that clip. What was that music about? I have no idea. I heard that it. Was, I was just like, I thought that was like, is Ben playing music in the background? What's no, going no, on no, there? No. This was at the uh, at the D- Trump delivers remarks to DC faith leaders. So it was clearly some, probably some whack job evangelical evangelicals and Trump. Th- there was a whole show right where he he delivers like a sermon, um, you know, to music. And I don't know. Uh, maybe he needs a soundtrack now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, I didn't put the music in there. That music is was. <laughs> Yeah, I just read the transcript. I didn't watch the clip itself. I was just reading it. I was like, oh, yeah, my yeah, God. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's weird, right? That's reading it's hard enough. I don't actually like listening to his voice. <laughs> no, no. Well, look, uh, moving on. We've got the government shutdown. It's about a week away. This is the... Uh... <laughs> right, right, right. How, this is, gonna, is this going to impact you, Justin? Um, well, 
maybe, maybe not. We're not sure yet. It depends on what parts of the government shut down and how that affects the parts that do shut down. Like, Debbie may be out of work this time. This time, she may not be out of work. We don't know yet. We're going to find out next week. Um, But honestly, you know, I I mean, I'm writing an article about it, but I, I... after all these years of writing articles about how to get ready for a freaking shutdown, we are finally at last completely um, shutdown proof. Okay, we, that's cool. we we have two months of rent put aside. We have a ton of money stashed for for gas, for this, for that. We we literally have three months of food in the apartment specifically just in case there's a shutdown. Just waiting. That's good. You know, it's weird. It's like we're freaking doomsday preppers specifically because of Republicans. It's kind of sad, right? It's supposed to be a first world country. And yeah. this is what it's that. horrible that we have to live this way, but it's what we gotta do. I mean, yeah, yeah. it's nice. It's nice that we have, you know, like six thousand dollars in savings, but we shouldn't have to twist our arms into pretzels in order to do that because of Republicans. Mm. I mean, but- it's quite a complex I, I don't really see how this is going to get resolved. Right. This is uh, this is from the Washington Post that came out uh, two days ago. Right. The prospects of a government shutdown escalated significantly on Tuesday as House Republicans' intra-party tensions again came to a head in a dramatic floor vote amid negotiations on the nascent plan to keep the government open. House Republicans' inability to find agreements on even a stopgap funding bill that is destined to fail in the Senate again puts into focus the challenge before House Speaker Kevin McCarthy as he tries to unite his party and avoid a government shutdown. Though Republicans largely agree on the need to significantly curb federal spending, divisions mostly over process have given any five lawmakers enormous power in the razor-thin majority. But as hardliners dug in on their opposition, their more moderate counterparts began to firm up contingency plans for a bipartisan effort to keep the government open, publicly condemning their colleagues' obstinance. So, yeah... (laughs) I mean, what, 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 what constitutes a moderate Republican now? Um, they don't actually want to burn everything to the ground all at once. They just want to do it a little bit more slowly. I mean, that's pretty much moderate at this point. Yeah, yeah. So this McCarthy's in a very, very tough spot here. Oh, how, boo, does this, boo. how does this play out? What's your instinct on how this plays out, Justin? I'm curious. Um, at this point, I think that McCarthy is going to fumble the ball at like right at the one yard line and they're going to shut down the government. Uh, Even if they don't want to, like even if McCarthy decides at the last minute, okay, we're not doing this and decides, all right, Democrats, let's pass a continuing resolution with no strings attached. They're not going to get it done in time because his caucus is going to like, oh, wait, what? 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 Who? How? And they're just going to blow it at the last minute. So I think we're going to end up with a, a shut, a short, a very short shutdown. At least I'm hoping so. And they're going to pass a CR without the um, without the Freedom Caucus, and the Freedom Caucus is going to lose their shit. Yeah. Um, because they don't. They want this shutdown. Like they want it. Want it. Like Matt Gates is already calling for a shutdown like they don't even want the continuing resolution never mind the spending bills they have to do they don't even want the continuing resolution 
And Trump, of course, is out there egging them on, right? He he's putting out his little true true social things, screaming for a shutdown because he thinks, again, for some reason, that if you shut down the government, it's going to stop the the investigations and the prosecutions against him. Which I don't know why he keeps thinking this. It didn't happen last time with the Mueller investigation. That didn't stop when the government shut down. So why would it stop this time? I don't know what he's doing. Do you think that's what his game is? He literally said it. Like he specifically said, that's what he wants. And the the why he's doing it. Do you think it's because, because he, he, uh, he thinks, I mean, his, I mean, his brain is, his brain is riddled with worms. I mean, Bob keeps mentioning this and I think it's true, but also I think he just wants the chaos. Right. The more chaos there is, the more people get angry at the government, blah, blah, blah. The the less they'll pay attention to his his 91 and counting indictments. (laughs) You know, any distraction right now is better than people talking about the fact that he's got 91 indictments. Um, So anything, anything. But this is and and the House Freedom Caucus is going to do what he wants. Right. Because they're scared of him. Or yeah. you know they just they they're in a cult and they follow him. But this is going to be, this is going to be really really bad for Republicans. Like this will probably be the worst shutdown for Republicans ever, because every other shutdown has had Democrats involved. Right. Right. It was a showdown between Republicans and Democrats. So, and we just we talked about this last week. The press was able to blame both sides. It was Washington. It was Congress, blah, 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 gridlock. Democrats are not involved in this. Like yeah. in any way whatsoever, not even a little bit. Yeah. This is so, a total GOP. This is an in-house fuck up, basically. Exactly. I mean, it's 100% in-house. It's Republicans fighting Republicans about keeping the government open and failing to keep the government open because Republicans can't agree to keep the government open. The Democrats, Senate, the Senate is fine, right? The Senate's over there like, we're passing our bills bipartisan, we're ready to go. And House Democrats are sitting there like, we're not involved in this because they're not even putting a bill out for us to vote on. And mm-hmm. so we have, we, we're not part of this process at all, right? If they want us to vote, put a bill out. No bill, we can't do anything. They're in control of the House. So it's all Republicans. And now the press is finally starting to talk about it because it's really about to happen. And and this I swear to God, I saw this, I, I saw this political headline. I just wanted to throw a monitor out a window. This is a, this is an actual real headline. Republicans resigned to being the villains in the inevitable government shutdown with a quote from um, Representative Mike Simpson. We always get the blame. Boo-hoo. Like, it's like, are you kidding me? It should be Republicans resigned to being the villains in the inevitable government shutdown that is directly the fault of Republicans and only Republicans. Of course they're the villains. They're the villains. They're the ones doing it. It's amazing that they're still trying to do this somehow. It's like, it's not really their fault. It's being done to them. Right, right, right. We've got another example of this. <laughs> in, uh, 
<laughs> actually let's move let's let's talk about that now right this was an extraordinary example of uh <laughs> of the media and how they um what do you call it but it's not this isn't even both sidedism i, I is, don't even uh, know what this was i just you may have heard my scream of rage <laughs> when this yeah. popped up so the story was that biden rang home five american hostages right he did this very complicated complex negotiation to bring five American hostages back from Iran. And Republicans and the press are, are furious about it. Absolutely furious. It's an ext- I, I don't think I've ever seen anything this stupid. Right? Yeah, I mean, this, you expect is- that from Republicans, but the press was like, wah, 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 wah. Y- yeah. It's, I mean, look, this was, uh, this is really about, the real story here is about the talks about the Iran's, Iran's nuclear program, and this is, this is what's really upsetting Republicans, but um, the way that the meet, this is a headline from CNN, criticism mounts after Biden brings Americans home. And the subline for that was, the deal creates the kind of terrible optics a politically weakened president can ill afford. That is some New York Times pitch bot shit right there. Yes. Like that's unbelievable. That's the framing on that. Uh, Carl Rove could have written that. Yeah, that's the kind of framing that is. That's like a Republican wrote that. Yeah. So this is uh, this was Jason uh, Rosane in the uh, in the Washington Post. This is what he wrote: Five Americans who have been held hostage in Iran are flying to freedom right now, accompanied by two of their spouses. Three of them. Siamak, Nazami, Murad, Tabaz, and Emad Shargi had for years languished in the notorious Ebbing prison. Their release brings the number of wrongfully detained Americans brought home under President Biden to 35. Uh, this should be something to celebrate, no? Anyway, uh, this demonstrates both, yeah, the, both the high priority that this White House has put on freeing unjustly imprisoned citizens and the reality that hostage-taking by state actors is spiraling out of control. Two more U.S. residents, Shahab Dalili and uh, Jamshid Sharmad, remain in prison in Iran. So I think one of the reasons why the Republicans are upset about this is maybe to do with their ethnicity. I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm going to go out on a limb. Why why would we negotiate to release brown people, right? Well, I mean, look at the look at the hissy fit they threw over Brittany Griner. Griner? Griner. Yeah, they right. threw a huge temper tantrum over that. Right. Because all they could talk about was there was another American who was, I forget what the, the guy's name was, but there was a white male <laughs> American. And um, the media was absolutely outraged that it was, why hadn't they got him home and they'd got Brittany Griner back? Right. And it's not like they're not working on it, but, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah but, I mean, <laughs> I hate to say it, but it's, you know, look, right. Maybe skin color has something to do with it. Maybe, maybe, um, uh, gender has something to do with that one. I'm not sure. Just a smidge. But, yeah, just a smidge. But it, yeah, it's just extraordinary that we, by, the Biden administration is working hard to help Americans, to free American hostages around the world. Uh, and then they are subjected to A, barrage of criticism from the right. Um, and then B, uh, the media that seems to think that's an appropriate way to frame this. This absolutely bonkers how they, you know, who, who okayed this headline? Criticism. This is straight up New York Times pitch bot type. Uh, that's a headline. Like, I think he wrote. Um, so, if you're not familiar with New York Times pitch bot, it's a Twitter account, 
and the Twitter account. I think it's um, by the guy from Balloon Juice, right? The blog, the blog of Balloon Juice. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's hilarious. He writes um, New York Times uh, uh, headlines <laughs> where it's like, you know, um, Democrats, uh, Democrats have concerns about, I don't know, immigration while Republicans want to murder everybody on the border. But both sides are like, you know. <laughs> Why can't but, both sides agree about immigration? Some, yeah, yeah, some, crazy like, stuff like that. That, that kind of thing. Uh, not really doing it justice. Uh, he, he's very sharp. It's really good Twitter account to follow. And it's this really one, spooky how how frequently some of his stuff actually ends up in the New York Times. Yeah, of course, of course, of course. Um, now, now so, the, sorry, the, the real story. You want to talk about the real story on this one, Justin? Yeah. The the thing about this that is not getting nearly as much attention is the fact that not necessarily because of this, uh, because of this um, hostage uh, deal, but we are now back in talks with Iran about their nuclear program, which, if you'll recall, we once upon a time had a treaty with Iran to curtail their nuclear program. And it was working. I mean, it was working, working. It was working until Trump just unilaterally pulled us out of it and canceled the treaty. And then Iran said, okay, and started working on their nuclear program again. And now here's the thing about Iran. Iran does not really want to work on a nuclear program because it's really, really expensive. Nuclear weapons cost a ton of money, like a huge amount of money. Just getting to the point where you can build one costs billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars. Never mind actually building and then maintaining them. Look at Russia, right? Their nuclear weapons, they don't want anyone looking at their nuclear weapons because the second you find out that most of the nuclear weapons don't work, they become much weaker in the eyes of the world. But mm. it's super expensive. I mean, we, we spend billions to maintain our nuclear um, arsenal. It's extraordinarily expensive. So Iran really does not want to do this. But they kind of feel they have to because we kind of pushed them into a corner by pulling out of this freaking deal. So they're like, okay, well, then we're going to freaking do it, right? So it was a self-fulfilling prophecy. Now, Biden is trying to pull them back to the negotiating table, and they're kind of willing to do it because, again, they don't really have the money to do this. So they would be more than happy to give that up in order to get some good, juicy concessions out of the West. The problem is is that they don't know who's going to be president in 2025 because if it's a Republican, they're immediately going to throw the deal out the window again. But if it's yeah. a Democrat again, specifically Biden, yeah. they'll probably go ahead and sign something because, well, that works for them. They got something out of it last time until right. Trump threw it out the window. And a, a, an Iran without nuclear weapons is good for the world. Which is course, I don't understand, course. like why Republicans wanted that not want all like all the Republicans like even the ones who aren't like neocons hated it just because Obama did it, which is like the worst reason of the of all. But what well, is it is. interesting? There's a lot of hypocrisy, right, as well in that a lot of these Republicans want you know and Trump included 
constantly talk about we need to talk to Russia, we need to talk to Russia. Who, and Russia is nu- is using nuclear blackmail. Let's be clear about that, right? Right. They're threatening to use nukes on Ukraine, right? They have done multiple times, right? Putin has made it's very clear that he he, he thinks very little of, of making those kind of threats, right? But of course, we have to talk to those people, but not the Iranians who don't actually have nuclear weapon capability yet. Right. And uh, their defense, if you look at kind of from an international relations perspective, the Iranian strategy is actually fairly, um, fairly. So I wouldn't say clever, but it's it's quite an obvious one. Right. Where you um, you you don't actually have weapons, but you have capability, which means that you can't mess with them too much. Um, you know, it's a deterrence, right? Like they they want it as a deterrence. So Iran hasn't invaded anyone in I got I mean hundreds of years. I don't know, I, I can't remember who the last time the last country Iran invaded, but not for a very 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 long time. So it's not really yes, it funds terrorism around the Middle East. Yes, it, right. You know, it has a they're not uh, nice people. <laughs> no, 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 absolutely not. Right, but um, they are not a threat. They're not a huge threat to global peace uh not, at least... not the same way that a country with nuclear weapons would be yeah yeah, yeah right, right right exactly and and they can be negotiated with in a, in a and they haven't invaded anybody they're not invading anyone um and they can be negotiated with sensibly right um surprisingly think, yeah right, right 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 but it's you know these are this is the way that kind of international politics works right a lot of it's to do with just how much power you have your willingness to negotiate is you know, the more the less power you have, the more you'll probably be willing to negotiate. And Iran doesn't actually have that much power on the international scene, so it will it it will gladly come to the table and negotiate with the U.S. Whereas Russia, at least now, doesn't doesn't feel that that's necessary. It doesn't feel like it has to negotiate with the West. It can just it can use blackmail instead. <sighs> so. I feel like, you know, th- th- there's a lot of hypocrisy going on here where we can't negotiate with Iran, but we have to negotiate with Putin. Right? Uh-huh. It, it, it makes no sense. I mean, you could sort of say the, the opposite for the kind of more left, the liberal perspective where you don't negotiate with Putin and you, uh, you know, and you do negotiate with Iran. And that's they, they would argue that that's, hip- uh, you know, very hypocritical. But they're very different circumstances. Yeah, to but- be fair... Russia is actively engaged in invading another country. It's kind of hard to negotiate with them other than if you leave, we'll stop shipping weapons to Ukraine. That's killing you. How's that sound? Right. You know, it's like that's that's negotiating. Right, right. And there is there's just a, there are a very different approach. You know, you have different countries, different approaches, and very, very different geopolitical alliances. Uh, obviously, this stuff is extremely complicated, but... Um, it doesn't make any sense that you wouldn't speak to Iran if they were willing to shelf their nuclear ambitions. Right? Yeah, just that... just so just so aware, by the way, um, there's uh, now right as this popped up about that they were talking to them about their nuclear um, program. Immediately, Twitter was flooded with, "Oh, Iran is only two weeks away from building its own bomb," and it's like, you know what, man, Iran's been two weeks away from building its own bomb. For the last 20 years. Right. They've been constantly, the people who want Iran invaded have been saying that for literally 20 years that I'm aware of, right? It, it's probably been longer, 
but they're well, all a lot of it the same. Comes the, a lot of this comes from the Israel lobby as well. We have to be. Yeah, they want they. I, Israel really wants America, the United States, to invade Iran. They want us to do it for them, and it's like now, you want to yeah. you want to go with war? Knock yourself out. Yeah. We're not. I have no desire to send American troops to get killed in Iran. No, thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely I'm good not. with that. That that's fine. Enjoy. <laughs> but you never. You don't. It's it's hard to hit these these very complicated issues. Don't usually get, particularly when you've got Republicans jumping in and. Um, with ludicrous propaganda and willing, not willing to talk about this stuff sensibly, it's quite hard to kind of figure out what's going on, what the real story is, right? But that's the kind of the real story about what's going on here. Like the, the Obama Iran deal was like that was that might that, that took a long time, and that was a very careful negotiation that Obama, um, the Obama and administration, it was working, <laughs> and it was working, and then it got destroyed by Trump because he's an idiot, because he's an idiot. You know, and like that's what we have to look forward to in 2024 if uh, if he's elected in again. Anyway, well, look, let's let's move on. We have our uh, grifter of the week. This uh, today's this is a it's an experimental segment that we're doing today. We just we're mixing it up a bit. Maybe we'll have fashion of the week next week. But this time we're going to have grifter of the week where we highlight a political grifter. And this week is Andrew Yang. Andrew Yang tweeted out. He said, "Why does it feel like Democrats have learned very little from their 2016 loss to Trump?" I thought one of the biggest lessons from 2016 was don't anoint anyone. Try to find an appealing candidate who speaks to the people. Uh, Unbelievable. Hmm. 2016. Would, did something happen in between 2016 and 2023? I forget. I'm so, thinking. I I'm thinking. Did something happen? Was there was there was there an election? I think there was an election. I think I think. Don't we have an incumbent president? I believe we do. I think. Yes, and didn't that president win by over 8 million votes? Was it something like that? So it was, in fact, something like that. And uh, and an electoral college route, wasn't it like a, he absolutely smashed Trump in the electoral college? I forget. I forget. I can't remember. You know, the annoying thing about this is that, I mean, it's ahistorical, right? I mean, incumbent presidents are rarely challenged. Rarely challenge at least not seriously mm. and why would you do that of course right incumbency is extremely powerful like right. really powerful in in our lifetimes right or i'm all right i'm 10 years older than you so in the last half century two incumbent presidents have lost oh, i'm sorry wait let me think hold on one two three two republicans one was it was Jimmy Carter. Yeah. He didn't get reelected. George Bush. George senior. Bush. And then Trump. Yeah. And that's it. Three in 50 years. And I'm not sure how far you have to go back before that, before you get to another one. I'd have to actually look, but it does not happen that often. Incumbency is incredibly powerful. And right. George Bush lost. I mean, Ross Perot definitely helped with that one. Um, and, you know, Trump is Trump, right? And R Ronald Reagan cheated. Ronald Reagan very much cheated in order to, in, to win his election. So, you know, what I mean, what what is he talking about? He's just... He, well yeah, and listen, why I put him in grifter of the week is because that's what Andrew Yang is. I, I don't regard him as a serious person. He's a grifter. 
right? He got bored of tech and now he wants to get into politics. And now he's got this whole um, independent party thing, which is incredibly irresponsible. If you give a shit about not, you know, not America not turning into a, into a fascist state. Uh, Bob, Bob wrote a piece this week, which is great. Everyone should read that about we're one election away from fascism, you know, again. Um, if you're concerned about that, I, I can't understand why you would be engaging in independent party politics right now. I, you're just a grifter. You're just like, all oh, you're stupid. Um, and I don't think he's stupid. And I think he's a grifter. That's, that's my take on it, um, that he's doing this. He wants a little second career for himself. Um, you know, I used to think he was kind of interesting. And he was, but then he, got, he did all this. I mean, what is he doing? What is he doing? Like, Gavin Newsom had a great uh, interview this week about Biden being, you know, too old or whatever it was. And Gavin Newsom's like, look, this is the ticket. Stop whining. Get on board. Right. Like, why why are we having this conversation? If Biden says he's running, that's who our candidate is. So we get like Democrats need to get behind it. And those who don't are I get it in, in another era. Right. I feel like in, an, in another time, maybe it's OK uh to to fiddle around with you know green party politics or whatever it was knock yourself out right i still don't agree with it but not right now this is like an absolute emergency uh and you know anybody who doesn't take doesn't see that is i i think a grifter or stupid personally yeah no you know it uh, but some some of them are doing it on purpose like on what you call it not the forward party that's andrew yang's thing um god what's mansion attached to what's that other one the third party thing they're doing right now one something or other right it's like i forget what it's called it's oh my called. god i can't believe i forgot the name but they're they're deliberately looking to get somebody in there to united something or other, right Is they're, it united? They're, they're looking to pull votes away from um biden because they know uh, no labels yeah. excuse me no it's labels. Labels. Sorry, yeah no labels yeah yeah they're that they they're there. They're not. I mean, part of it's a grift, but also part of it's explicitly to pull votes away from Biden. Mm -hmm. They know they're not going to be pulling anyone uh, from from the right. They're going to be only pulling people away from the left. So mm -hmm. their whole thing, like, I mean, because they have not been doing anything to go against the Republicans. I mean, it's just both sides, both sides, both sides, both sides. And if they come into the party, if they come into the race, they're going to be campaigning explicitly i guarantee they're only going to campaign in swing states i would mm. bet money that they're going to do what ralph nader did is only campaign in swing states where they can cost biden the election in those states which would yeah. tip it to trump i'll bet right. money that's if they do it that's what they'll do so right. we'll see anyway well look let's uh move on with this more positive ray of sunshine ah yes this was uh this put a big old smile on my face this week. This was um this was a great week for Democrats. Um, so we talked about this. I we did talk about it, right last week was um the special elections or was it the week before? But either way, special. We, there was another two special elections this week. There was one in New Hampshire. Um, so Democrat Hal Rafter, um, flipped um a, a state suite obviously, uh, in a special election for the state house. And this is now Democrats need to win one more seat in um, New Hampshire to flip the the chamber to, to flip the house. New Hampshire has the largest um, state house in the country. It's got 
400 members. It's massive. It's insanely huge. And it's gerrymandered. Not as severe as like Wisconsin, but it's pretty goddamn gerrymandered. And Republicans are still having a hard time because people are really pissed off at Republicans. So if they win one more seat and it looks like they have a good shot at it, they're going to take the New Hampshire um, House. They're not, they, it's still um, a Republican governor and it's still Republican Senate, but they're going to lose the House. And that's a big deal. Now, this Donald Trump won this particular um, seat. Oh, sorry. Uh, sorry. Um, this county, he won by 41.9 to 48.7 over Biden in 2020. The Republican, won, uh, sorry, the Democrat won uh, 56 to 44, which is a 12 point swing, um, which is in line with the 10 point swing that we discussed last week or the week before for special elections, which is super bad news for Republicans. Um, Mm. At the same time, um, there was a special election in Pennsylvania that Democrats needed to win in order to keep control of the state house there. And they won that too. So that is also a big deal. Um, Again, this is, really not a good this was really not a good week for um republicans when it comes to special elections and it just goes to show that that whole 10 point swing thing is still happening which is awesome um yep. that's going into 2024 this is super bad news and the big thing about that trump was not campaigning for these people trump wasn't on the ballot it's just Republicans and Republicans lost. Toxic. Yeah. They they cert- they really are. They're extremely toxic. Yeah. And it's no. gonna cost them. Yeah, and again, this is this is um leading up to the twenty twenty two, the midterm. This is exactly the kind of thing that was happening. Um Yeah, and the so, press you know, didn't want to talk about it. Didn't want to talk about it exactly. Yeah, it's amazing how little coverage this has got as well. Um, well, look, let's we'll leave it on that note. Uh, we're going to be jumping into the emergency meeting podcast where we're going to be talking about the delightful, uh, <laughs> delightful Russell Brand. Um, Boy. the title of the podcast, the, the emergency meetings for Bantam members is Russell Brand, Predators, and the Power of Charisma. We're going to be doing a little bit of a dive on, on what's happened this week. It's been a fairly bombshell story, it's been a huge story, particularly in the UK. Um, Brand is a is a political agitator in the US as well. He's part of the kind of alt-left, alt-right um, misinformation or disinformation uh, propaganda channels that he has. as a YouTube channel of six point something million people. Um, he he uses his channel to spread a lot of COVID misinformation, um, a lot of politics misinformation, particularly in regards to Ukraine and Russia. Uh, was this all a guise to defend himself against... Uh, these accusations that are incredibly serious. Um, I saw Russell Brand live, performed live. I've got, a, you know, I'll tell you what that was like. It's quite extraordinary. And uh, anyway, we're going to jump into the members only podcast and we're going to be discussing that. Please come and join us there. If you haven't got a band of membership, please do so now. You can get 50% off. It, it's well worth the price of admission. You will A, be helping us remain completely independent. 
and ad-free. Uh, and B, you'll be getting access to the Emergency Meeting podcast and all of our members-only stuff um, and member chat threads that we, we take part in. So come join us over there, and uh, we'll see you next week. Adios.